Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things which connect us, whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea. We talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. My first encounter with artificial intelligence was in the book 2001, A Space Odyssey, written by Arthur C. Clarke. I read the book in 1978. In that same year, the 1968 film version uh, by Stanley Kubrick was shown at our local cinema. I had to go and see it, but it was shocking to see the turning of the tables on the idea that if there was a problem with technology as the controlling human, you can normally turn it off. But in this film, the threat to the space mission meant that HAL, the superintelligent onboard computer, or should I say HAL 9000, decided to protect the mission by turning the humans off. The most logical decision the computer could make. Now, artificial intelligence, or AI, is a reality. And the pace of change means that it is no longer possible for humans to keep track of what AI systems are actually doing. This was demonstrated quite well on the 3rd of April in 2018, when a computer glitch caused over 15,000 flights to be cancelled or delayed across Europe. Concerns about AI are nothing new. The analytical engine was developed in 1842 as a result of programmes written by Charles Babbage and Ada Lovelace. People such as Richard Thornton publicly decried such developments as doing away with the necessity of the mind and would grind out ideas beyond the ken of the human mind. By 1872, Samuel Butler wrote Irwan, a novel about a terrible war between the machinists and the anti-machinists. The striking thing about this book, apart from the title being the word nowhere spelled backwards with the W and the H swapped around in the middle, was the fact that Darwin's Origin of the Species had only just been published, and already this novel was exploring the automated evolution of machinery in a digital world. It spoke of the dangers of this. These books were written during the Industrial Revolution, and so the negative aspects of this were already apparent. People in farming and cottage industries being superseded by automated machinery, large workforces being employed at very low wage, often from the rural communities surrounding the big cities that developed during this time. People who had lost their old jobs would take low pay in the new city with the promise of riches. But we can go back a lot further and see the concerns about automation. Aristotle said the following, For if every instrument could accomplish its own work, obeying or anticipating the will of others, if, in like manner, the shuttle would weave and the plectrum touch the lyre without a hand to guide them, chief workmen would not want servants, nor masters slaves. Max Tegmark mentions in his book Life 3.0 the discussion that two imaginary horses have in 1900 about the rise of the internal combustion engine and feel that there is no worry because the wheel actually just gave them more work. The automobile came along and they ended up as pet food. Artificial intelligence is already around us. There are pieces of software that can go on phones to prompt us when we are in the supermarket, telling us we are in the right aisle for that chocolate that we like, and oh yes, it is on offer this week. The automated car, when going to a four-way traffic junction, will stop and wait for human help. You might think that this was written into the car's software itself, but this isn't true. The car worked that bit out for itself. 
Examples of neural networks are being developed for all sorts of things, and in many ways are starting to mimic our own neural networks, which have many fascinating oddities such as wireheading. The role of dopamine as a reward for our brains was noted in the 1950s. Direct stimulation of the brain in rats resulted in reward-like responses. In 1958, James Olds of McGill University in Canada published an article in Science called Letting Rats Push the Button. Rats were given the option of pressing a lever which stimulated their brains. The results were slightly worrying. The rats just kept pressing the lever and did not stop for food or water until they collapsed. What is interesting is that humans are no better and self-stimulate thousands of times, neglecting personal hygiene, eating and drinking. The neural networks set up within advanced AI systems have the potential to see the same kinds of results in machines. Early examples of this can be seen when an AI system is used to play a game called Breakout. It's a paddle game with a bouncing ball that hits a brick wall, knocking the blocks out as it goes. The AI system learns quite quickly how to play the game and even how to become more conservative by batting the ball back up at similar angles to the corners of the wall so that it doesn't have to do as much. AI shows that machines, like humans, can enjoy being lazy. The Alexas in lots of people's homes are based on software which uses AI to recognise language and offer solutions. But of course some of these things are a bit limited. If you listen to the Ellen DeGeneres show, she cites examples of how voice recognition can send the wrong message. I love you, baby, gets recycled as I rubbed a cabbie. How about this one? Alexa, turn on family room lights. Alexa's response, okay, playing living on a prayer, lullaby version. The Archbishop of Canterbury has been referred to as the Archbitch of Canterbury. During the Queen Mother's funeral, an announcement was made, there will now be a moment's silence for the Queen Mother. Voice recognition produced text saying there will be now a moment's violence for the Queen Mother. But what about if these machines could start to think? Alan Turing said if a machine can think, it might think more intelligently than we do. And then where would we be? Even if we could keep the machines in a subservient position, we should as a species feel greatly humbled. Others argue that it won't be that bad. After all, a simple calculator is beyond most people's mathematical ability. But that isn't really what superintelligent AI would be. There is a big question about superintelligent AI because some people think that once this cat is out of the bag, we will have something that is more superior to us on an intellectual level, and so we'll never really be able to control it. This issue presents us with what is known as the gorilla problem. That is, it's at some stage there were no humans, and the idea is that superintelligent machines could be something that appears just as humans did. How does the gorilla think about that now in terms of how we treat nature? We could be at the start of something very similar, but this time it might not turn out so well for us. Unfortunately, with our inventions in the past, things have not always gone well. We didn't invent the fire extinguisher just in case that first fire got a bit out of control or the traffic light before the car, or the airbag or seatbelt before the car. We didn't even have to use the seatbelt in a car for many years, even though the death toll was known to be much higher. So not only is technology slow to react to bad things, but we tend to be rather slow to respond to the changes that occur. Let's imagine a scenario described by Stuart Russell, a professor of AI in Berkeley, in California. The bot is left to look after the child, and it does a great job until it goes to the fridge to make food. But the family forgot to stock the fridge. 
The bot doesn't have any understanding of the emotional attachment to pets, and so the poor moggy or doggy ends up being in a roast that is just being served up as the family arrives home. This type of analogy was described in his book called Human Compatible. With superintelligent AI we cannot afford to be reactive, but what safety measures need to be put in place? Turning the machine off may no longer be possible, and the very real analogy made in the film 2001 could become reality when humans start being turned off, and we just cannot find a way to outdo the machine any longer. Some even consider that the technology could end the existence of the human race if we get this wrong. This concept is known as the Midas problem. King Midas foolishly wished to have anything he touched turn into the gold, and this of course led him to lose his friends, family, and dying lonely of starvation. So it seems quite apt to bring this to the AI table. The whole concept of the novel Dune was a study of a post-apocalyptic world created through machines attempting to destroy humanity. In reality, our first finding will be a gradual reduction in employment as intelligent machines take over things that we currently do. And we can already see that the lower paid jobs have not really increased at all in pay anyway over the last 50 years. They've plateaued and there is no reason why this should get any better with superintelligence. And then of course we have the slaughterbot idea, otherwise known as the lethal autonomous weapon. A company in Switzerland have already invented a handheld device that can launch explosive projectiles at human beings to kill them. So there is already a quiet arms race developing in the research departments of defence agencies. Great. Now there are a lot of, say, less moneyed and less ethical organisations around the world that are more likely to get their hands on this kind of thing. So while we don't have to worry about the robots taking over the world just yet, we are far closer to a new threat. Now there are laws dictating the use of these inventions, but rather bizarrely, there is a European law that seems to imply that it is the responsibility of the robot if used in the wrong way. So we could be sending robots to prison. The European Parliament's Committee on Legal Affairs recommends, and I quote, creating a specific legal status for robots in the long run, so that at least the most sophisticated autonomous robots could be established as having the status of electronic persons responsible for making good any damage they cause. Are they for real? This registration of a robot has already happened for real in Saudi Arabia for Sophia, a humanoid robot, who chats. So the inventor just makes a destructive electronic being, registers it, and when the robot does something wrong, the inventor could say, nothing to do with me, it was that robot. Good luck with catching it though. I designed it to run fast, and oh yeah, somehow it's learned to play hide and seek really well.